six of our series called The Art of Being Unordinary. And today I want to start with a story. Uh, a few years ago, there was this incident that happened in my family. Uh, my son, he was lying to me. And I can't tell you what that lie was specifically, but it was one of those moments where you knew exactly that that was not the truth. And he would do everything he can to defend his story. And I had noticed that there was inconsistencies in the story. There was evidence that I had that went against his story. There was no way that he was going to win this, this argument. There was no way. But he kept on trying to defend himself. He wanted to make sure that he was right and I was wrong. Another way of putting this is he could not embrace his brokenness. I mean, of course he couldn't. I mean, he wanted to do everything he can to prove to his dad that he didn't have any flaws. He didn't want to show his brokenness to me. But he's not alone because I do the same thing. I do it to my wife, I do it to my parents, and I also do it to you guys. I, you know the reason why I, I use a lot of Hebrew and Greek words is to impress you so I could hide the fact that maybe I'm not as smart as I want you to think I am. I cover up my brokenness, my flaws, with knowledge, Bible verses, and most importantly, the art of concealing certain aspects of my life from you. And that's ordinary. We all do it. But Jesus asks us to do something unordinary. He tells us that we need to be vulnerable with each other, that we need to share our brokennesses with each other. A few years ago, I saw this movie called The Silver Linings Playbook. Now, I have this weird tradition where when the nominees for the Oscars come out, I check to see if the movies I saw that year line up with the best movies of the year, and usually they don't. And so I would look at the list and I see which ones are nominated, and then I make it a point to watch at least half of the movies on that list. And for that reason, I saw this movie. And there's this one scene in that film that really stood out to me. Now, I want to set up this clip for you before we watch it. Bradley Cooper plays this character named Pat, whose marriage recently fell apart, and because of that, he had a breakdown. He was admitted into a psychiatric hospital, and he was released after that. He served the minimum amount of time he had to. And as he came out, he wanted to hang out with his friend and his wife. Now, the wife has a younger sister, so the wife decided, I'm going to set up Pat with my younger sister. Now, this younger sister, played by Jennifer Lawrence, her husband recently died, and she had a similar breakdown. Now, the scene we're about to watch is Bradley Cooper's character and Jennifer Lawrence's character meeting for the first time at dinner at his friend's house. Enjoy. Pat was a history sub at the high school, Tiffany. Ask him about any president. He knows them all. Here's a fun fact. You know where the term OK comes from? No, no, I don't. Where? Well, Martin Van Buren, the eighth president of the United States of America, is from Kinderhook, New York. Oh. And he was part of the club, a men's club, called Old Kinderhook. And if you were cool, you were in the club, they'd say, that guy's OK, because he's in the old Kinderhooks. Really? Yeah, pretty cool, right? <laughs> That's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, Tiffany's been doing this dance thing for years, and she's real good at it. She's going to be competing at the Ben Franklin Hotel. Oh, really? My wife loves dance. Nikki loves dance. Why do you have to talk about me like that? I'm just bragging about you. Can I brag about my little sister? Don't talk about me in the third person. Please, give me a break. I'm right here. Just be nice. Just be nice. Wow, wow, wow. Fascinating. Sorry, I don't want to be mean. I know, I know, I know. What meds are you on? Me? None. I used to be on lithium and Seroquel and Abilify, but I don't take them anymore, no. They make me foggy, and they also make me bloated. Yeah, I was on Xanax and Effexor, but I agree, it wasn't as sharp, so I stopped. You ever take Klonopin? Klonopin, yeah. Right? Jesus. Like, is it what? Yeah. What day is it? 
How about trazodone? Trazodone. <laughs> oh, it flattens you out. I mean, you are done. It takes the light right out of your eyes. God, I bet it does. Now, the reason I love this scene is because Bradley Cooper, his character, he tries to impress Jennifer Lawrence with all this knowledge. Now, I can't attest to the fact that that's how the word okay came to our language. I'm not sure. You could look it up for yourself. But when he tries to impress her, silence. When the wife tries to impress Bradley Cooper with her sister, crickets. But when Jennifer Lawrence's character starts to openly share about the myths that she takes, they start to open up to each other and they connect. There's something about being broken that attracts people to one another. You see, in 2005, when I was in seminary, I remember one of my professors giving me this interesting assignment. He told me, if you wanna know what a church should look like, then you need to go to an AA program. So the assignment for our whole class was to go attend Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I went there, my life changed. The way that I saw church changed. What I discovered was that these people, they don't expend their energies trying to impress other people, showing how smarter they are, or how more put together they are, or how richer they are, or how successful they are. They don't waste their energy on that. Instead, they put a lot of work towards being real with each other, being vulnerable. And they also put a lot of energy in making sure that they create an environment where other people could share their brokenness and be real. And that really, really opened my eyes. It helped me see that we spend a lot of our time and efforts plastering on a smile to let people think that we're, we have it all together. That we tend to quote scripture to one another to let people think that we're holier and closer to God than we actually are. What I discovered is that some of us, we think that it's better to suffer alone than to put a dent in our reputation. For some reason, our culture, our society has a difficult time embracing our own brokenness. We love and we tend to keep our brokenness at arm's length and in doing so, we push people out of our lives and we push God out of our lives. And so this is why we're gonna be looking at Luke chapter 18 today. We're gonna to be looking at verse nine through 14 because Jesus talks about this very topic. It says this, to some who are confident in their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Now this word right here for righteousness, you could substitute that word with bright standing with God. So Jesus saw that there are some people who are really confident in the fact that they had this close-knit relationship with God. And then he said, I need to tell you a story. And so this is how it starts. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Now a Pharisee is a person who is religious and he follows all the rules and he basically makes his living letting people know that they're really close with God. And the other character we're introduced to here is a tax collector. Uh, I want to use some illustrations to help you understand what people felt when they heard the word tax collector. So in today's world, it'll be like an enemy of the state. Let's just say a terrorist. A terrorist organization comes to the United States and takes over our country. And they dethrone all the public leaders that we have. And they take that role. They make, it, make the United States into an empire. Now, this new terrorist emperor, he wants to make new rules and build statues of himself all around the United States but he needs money to do it. So he decides, I'm going to tax all the Americans living in this land. Now just imagine if your friendly neighbor down the street volunteered and said, hey, emperor, I would love to be the one that collects money from my neighbors. And so he comes knocking on your door and he says, you have to pay up or you're going to jail. Now imagine you receive this invoice from him and you take a look at it and you realize it's way higher than what the emperor asked of you you realize that this neighbor of yours, who used to be your friend, used to invite him over to your barbecues, he is actually adding on extra cost 
so that he could make a living, a, a luxurious lifestyle. And there's nothing you can do because if you were to report him to the authorities, well, authorities, they work for the emperor, so he could get away with it. So in your eyes, these tax collectors from the first century, they evoked a really strong antagonistic emotion. They were traitors and they didn't deserve to be your friend anymore. So we have a goody two-shoe and we have a betrayer. That's the setting of this parable. Jesus continues, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give 10th of all I get. So not only is this Pharisee bragging about all the things he gets right, he also talks about how he abstains from the things that are evil. And when he talks about what he does right, he even makes a point to say that he does things twice as much as the average Joe on the street. But now let's take a look at how the tax collector prays. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his own breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. So Jesus here is demonstrating for us what it looks like to be a person who's owning up and embracing his own brokenness. And then this is the conclusion of that story. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. Now notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say because the tax collector decided to change his life, he is now justified. He just says because of what he just did at the temple, he is now considered to be justified. And then here's the final line. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now what I love about this parable is that Jesus doesn't give us that much information because the only thing we need to know is already embedded in the story. He doesn't give us descriptions of how he prayed or what tone he prayed in, whether if he was on his knees. It just shows a tax collector admitting to his own brokenness and Jesus saying that man is justified in the eyes of God. In other words, he is the one that's in right standing with God, not the Pharisee. Jesus is saying here that brokenness doesn't just help you connect with the other people around you. It also helps you connect with God. Now, now think about it. Now, God is known to be a healer, a lover, a forgiver, a being that dispenses grace and mercy. How is he supposed to do that to you if you could not even admit to being broken? He wants to care for you and be there for you and listen to you. But if you're not speaking to him, confessing to him, sharing how much you need him, how is he supposed to be there for you? As long as we're being too proud to admit to needing these things in our lives, there's no way that you are letting God into your heart with a free pass. You're causing God to work extra hard just to get into your heart. Now imagine if church or your life group was a gathering where every week you come together and share with each other, hey, this week I struggle with anger issues. Or this week I lived in fear and I'm, I'm scared for my life. This week, guys, I've been really angry at God. Or what if somebody came to your group this week and said, I'm very sad and I'm living in a state of worry. Or maybe it's time for you to say, guys, I messed up so many times, I'm scared that I'm not worthy enough to have friends anymore. And when you share your brokenness with one another, you will eventually hear somebody say these magic words, me too. And when two broken people come together, the healing begins. And according to Jesus, where two or more are gathered in his name and they're agreeing on something, he says that he is there with you also. But for all this to happen, we all have to start from the place of humility because you need humility to own up to your own brokenness. So brothers and sisters, may we be people who own up to our own brokenness and may God use your brokenness to connect you with other people who are also in need of healing. And may we all experience heaven together.
God bless you. We'll see you next week.